0: Welcome to our eleven o'clock service here at Celebrate Seniors and Ministry of Faith Dialogue. Today uh, we are continuing. We're in week two of a brand new series. It's the series on the Gospel of Matthew. You know, as we start off, I want to I want to uh, mention that you know last week we only did one verse, uh, but this week we're going to be going through verse seventeen, uh, Matthew one two through seventeen, and. Um, Last week, uh, our the, uh, the title of our message was Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Today our title is similar. It's Joseph, the husband of Mary. Just Joseph, the husband of Mary. And you'll see how that uh, that unique phrase, unique phrase is so different, so unlike any other genealogies and so unlike the rest of the uh, generations leading up to Jesus and Matthew had a very specific reason in calling um, Joseph the husband of Mary so let's, uh, let's take a look at this genealogy there's a lot of names in there we want to try to take it uh, get through all of the different names there's going to be 42 different generations leading up to Jesus So let me get started Matthew chapter 1 verses of uh, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amimedad, Amimedad begot Nation, and Nation begot Solomon. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by, who, by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Of course, that's speaking of Bathsheba. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. And Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Zoram. Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Amon, and Amon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Zechariah and his brothers. About the time they were carried away to Babylon, verse 12. And after they were brought to Babylon, Zechariah begot Seliattel. Seliattel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abuid, Abuid begot Elikam, El- El- Elecham begot Azor, Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Acham, Acham begot Eliud, Eliud begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathan, and Mathan begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called the Christ." So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity of Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Wow, that's a, that's a huge genealogy. Uh, this word in verse 1, by the way, that's uh, translated as genealogy, and that's a, that's a really good translation, um, is it, actually uh, the word generations. Generations you know and it's unfortunate all too often we uh, we today don't really understand what a genealogy is and I think that has a lot to do with what we see on TV with CSI with some of our crime shows uh, we're told about genes and most people today are familiar with genes and DNA and we get you know this word gene comes in from the word genealogy and people get confused because actually a genealogy table is a generations table and it includes, it includes also the adopted sons and daughters which are fully a part of the generations. You know it's unfortunate sometimes when an adopted son or daughter doesn't feel like they fit into the family tree. But that's not true. Often the adopted son and daughter is just as much a part, they should be a part of the family tree just as any other member and entitled to all of the the same benefits and the same respect. They've been grafted in and that's important for us to remember because we remember as believers in Jesus Christ that our Gentiles have been grafted in. We've been adopted as sons and daughters of Abraham because the blessings of Abraham have been extended to those Christians uh, that, are, that are Gentiles, that are not Jewish, that have been grafted in because of a belief in, in Jesus Christ. Um, so, so happily, uh, our, our gener- sometimes genealogy is a little bit easier today because of, because of DNA. Uh, some people are actually finding their, their, uh, their birth mothers and birth fathers, which is kind of a, a completely different story and really not what the, the idea of generations here. Uh, but but it, is, it can be kind of fun. I don't know whether you've uh, tied into uh, to Ancestry.com or any of the other sites. My, my brother Dave and I uh, share a, uh, an account on, on Ancestry.com and it's been kind of fun looking at our uh, genealogy, looking at our ancestors, going back as far as we possibly can. And that It's very time consuming so you have to be a little careful because it can also be a great time waster. Uh, but what we found is what we kind of knew is that our family was was kind of a dud. Um, there's there's no princes, there's no kings, there's no royalty, no castles, uh, no no real uh, ancestry uh, of note on either either side, my mom's side or my dad's side. Uh, but just to give you an example. Here's a here's a picture of uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, only relative back in the 1800s that we actually have a picture of Uh, this is michael renault or rhino it's my great 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 grandfather who was born in quebec Uh, He was French Canadian, and we know that uh, we're part of that family tree because we know that his children moved, uh, they were born in Canada, but they moved to Michigan. And we know we pick up our our tree in Michigan because we're from Michigan. My grandmother was born in Marquette, Michigan in the late 19th century, and Michigan was where our children were born, and it continues to be our, our home away from home. So, so enough of, of my answering story. let's get into what, what Matthew's talking about here in this genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you know, it's interesting because some scholars have said that Matthew uh, takes a look at the genealogy and really the life of Christ from a Jewish perspective, and, and Luke, who has the other genealogy, uh, takes a look at the life of Christ from a Gentile perspective. Uh, But looking at it and and preparing for this lesson and the rest of this series, I can tell you that Matthew actually is looking at this from Jesus Christ, the Messiah's perspective. And really, we start off right away in in these verses talking about Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God. That's who Matthew is referring to here. Um, so, as we talk a lot about uh, these, this genealogy, these generations, the 14, 14, and 14, 42 different individuals that are part of the ancestry of Jesus Christ going back to, to Abraham, uh, there's three points we're going to make. And the first point is that we have a plan unveiled. Uh, the second is that there's a provision, that's the provision of God that has echoed. And the third is that we'll see prophecy fulfilled. So let's begin today with the plan unveiled. Now, this of course is God's plan and we see it from the very, very beginning and we picked it up last week in verse number one where, where uh, Matthew recorded, he said, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And, and here's one of the reasons I went, I went back and picked up this one verse that we, we spent the entire uh, half hour on last week is because we don't wanna miss the magnificent claim that Matthew makes. Matthew is claiming Messiahship for Jesus. He does this by calling him the Christ, which is the Greek title of the, of the word Messiah. Uh, Messiah is a Hebrew, but Christ, the anointed one, is, is, the, is the Greek title for Jesus. That's how we have the title Jesus Christ or Jesus the Christ. And this is the plan unveiled. God made a covenant a long time ago with Abraham. And this was the covenant that was planned. Uh, This was the plan, and it was going to be revealed in Jesus Christ. So, for example, the prophet Samuel, as David was was an old man, and as he had been king for a number of years, came to David, and this is what he said. He said, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom, he will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I want you to notice some of, some of these aspects of God's promise to David. Uh, this a- eternal king that would come would be a direct descendant of King David. Uh, and this eternal kingdom will not be David's doing. This will be established by God. In verse 13, it says, and I, meaning God, will establish the throne of his kingdom Forever. Last week, we looked at some of the implications of being the son of Abraham. I mentioned how Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. And here in Matthew wants us to see he is the, he is the son of Abraham that will, in fact, be of the promise of, of Isaac's line. Verse 2 says, and Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. That's the generations preceding Jesus Christ. Matthew makes this claim that this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And and this is the plan unveiled. It includes all of these ancestors of Jesus. Matthew reveals the generations from uh, Abraham to David and then David to the deportation. He makes it very clear that these are uh, different segments of time, but this is all part of God's, God's revealed plan. Now let's go on to point two. Point two is the provisions that are echoed. Uh, these provisions that are echoed I'm going to focus on three women in the Bible three women that Matthew mentions and actually it's quite unusual for Matthew to uh, to uh, to name women because that typically wasn't done in genealogies we're going to talk about Tamar in verse 3 and then Rahab and Ruth and they're both in, in verse 5 you know in writing a genealogy a history of these generations Matthew went out of his way to include these three three female ancestors of Jesus. Um, Matthew deems them essential to truly understand um, how God is unveiling this this plan, echoing the the plan throughout the generations. So let's take a look at it. The first one is is Tamar. Verse 3 reads, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. That's Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now the story of Tamar is in Genesis 38 and perhaps you've read it, perhaps you remember from it and uh, because this is church I'm going to clean it up a little. Uh, The version in the Bible in in chapter 38 of Genesis is is definitely PG. It's it's meant for uh, somewhat mature audiences so you can read that at home uh, as you like. So let me just uh, go through the story of Tamar a little bit. Now Judah had a son, his oldest son was named Er er now I don't know why anybody would name their son air er, but that was that was Judas firstborn son was Er, and air er married uh, uh, an Israelite woman uh, named Tamar named Tamar and air er died in fact the Bible says that he was evil in the sight of the Lord and he died in Israel the duty of the brother was to marry the marry the widow and father the children for his older brother or younger brother in that case whatever the case was uh, so that the generations would continue so that the the son would be able to have a uh, a progeny and to have a son or a daughter and and that fell to Onan Onan was uh, Judah's second son and Onan did not want, he took Tamar as his wife, but, but he refused to have children with her. He didn't want to have children with her. And again, this was evil in the sight of the Lord. And Onan was killed as well. So now here Judah has one left, one son. His, his, his son is Shelah. His, his, his third son is Shelah. And he's, he's concerned about Tamar being married to Shelah because he sees what's happened to the two older brothers. And this is what Judah says. It's recorded in Genesis 38. It says, remain a widow, this is, this is Judah talking to Tamar, remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. I am afraid that he too may die like his brothers. Well, Shelah came of age and realized, uh, and Tamar realized that uh, he was, she was never gonna be married to Shelah. She would never be able to, to fulfill what was uh, given to her uh, by law in Israel. So Tamar decides to take it upon herself to be able to get back into the family. So what she does, and again, I told you this was a PG version, was that Tamar dressed up as a prostitute and waited for Judah to come into the the city. So as Judah walked by, she was a prostitute and uh, caught Judah's eye and Judah slept with her. Well, Judah must have forgotten his wallet, his America Express at home, because he d- didn't have any way to pay her. So he gave her his staff as well as his signet. Uh, his signet is like a ring that's, that's used to assign official documents. Uh, that way she would hold it until he would come back and be able to pay. Well, he went back the next day, but he, he couldn't find her. Nobody knew of this, this prostitute because she wasn't a prostitute. It was, it was Tamar. So, so as time goes on, Tamar, of course, is, is pregnant, and Judah finds out about it, and he's going to discipline her. He says that Tamar has been playing the harlot, okay? So he's going to discipline her, but Tamar shows up at Judah's house, and she's got his, his staff as well as his signet, and, and Judah realizes that he, he was the one that was in the wrong that, that Tamar was supposed to be given to one of the sons, one of, one of, one of Judah's sons, but, but he failed to do that. And this is what he says. He says, she, referring to Tamar, is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her to my son Shelah. And, and this is the way that Tamar is included in this genealogy. Tamar with Judah and the father gave birth to twin sons named Perez and Zerah, and that was why they're included in Matthew 3. This is the ancestry of Jesus Christ. So let's go on. Let's turn to the story of Rahab, and that's also mentioned in in verse 5. Now, many of you are familiar with, uh, with the story of Rahab. Now, interestingly, again, this is a PG version today, is that Rahab was known as the harlot, Rahab the harlot. She was a Canaanite woman living in Jericho. And when Joshua and the tribes of Israel came to Jericho and were ready to take it, uh, Joshua sent spies into Jericho, two spies. And the two spies uh, were hidden by Rahab up in her, on her roof. And when the soldiers came looking for these two Israelite spies, Rahab, a Canaanite woman, um, basically told the soldiers, she said, um, I saw them go out through the, through the front gate just before it got dark. Go pursue the two Israelites and perhaps you'll, you'll, you'll catch up with them. Uh, the spies, of course, were, were not found because they were still with Rahab. And the spies were interested on why Rahab went out of her way to betray her own people and basically protect these two Israelite spies. And this is what, and this is what it says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 11. Um, Rahab says this. she says for the Lord your God is God in heaven above above and the earth below now then please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you so when the city of Jericho fell and you know the story very well when the city of Jericho fell Rahab and her whole family were spared And Rahab married one of the Israelites and became uh, one of the generations leading to King David. Now, the last woman that will be used today, uh, that, that we'll talk about today, that was included by Matthew in these generations, this genealogy leading up to Jesus, was Ruth. Now, now Ruth is so famous that she has her own book in the Bible. I told you in my family, uh, nobody, nobody of note was in there. We don't have anybody in the, in, the, in the world book encyclopedia. Nobody that I could find on the internet of note. Um, but Ruth, this, this Israelite, uh, has her this 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 part of the generations of Jesus Christ uh, has her own book in the Bible. Uh, the Book of Ruth documents how how Naomi, a Hebrew, was living in the land of Moab when her husband and her two sons died. Uh, well, after her sons died, Naomi went to her daughters-in-law that were there, and she said, "Return back to the to the to your parents' house and find husbands there." But Naomi, but but, but Ruth. One of her daughters-in-law said, no, she said, your God will be my God, your people, my people, and where you go, I will go. So Ruth and Naomi travel back to, of all places, Bethlehem. Well, Bethlehem is where uh, King David is going to be born and where Jesus is going to be born, according to prophecies. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So she goes back to to Bethlehem and they meet a, a kinsman redeemer, and that kinsman and redeemer is named Boaz. And Boaz ends up marrying Ruth, and they have a child. And this is what it says. It says that Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. So we see these generations. So this this provision of God through these three women ended up with David born in, in Bethlehem, King David. So we see that these three women are all echoing God's provision. So let's get to the third point, which is prophecy fulfilled. There are 42 different names listed in these generations prior to Jesus Christ. A long list of names. You know, and unfortunately, uh, we, we often, when we see these big gods, uh, we kind of go on to the next chapter. We see when they're done. And we see that in Genesis and a few other places in the Bible. We We kind of go to the end rather than reading all the names. But if we do that, we miss some of the language that these that, these, uh, that the Bible is using because, because when it comes to Joseph, Joseph, Joseph did not begot Jesus. It said that Joseph was the husband of Mary and that language changes and, it's, and it's, it kind of jumps off on the page to you that, that Matthew's going out of his way to basically say, no, Joseph was the husband of Mary, but Mary was the mother of Jesus, the, the Christ. And you know, Joseph was the human father of Jesus. Uh, this the prophet Isaiah, some 750 years before Jesus was born, said this. He said, "Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." Uh, Matthew's account not only illustrates how this prophecy was fulfilled, but it highlights all three points that I'm talking about today. The, the God's plan that was unveiled, it was echoed in, the, in these three women, uh, but especially now in, in Joseph being the husband uh, of Mary. And this is a prophecy that is fulfilled. Now, the Gospel of Luke fulfills in the backstory of what Matthew is referring to here. Joseph, the husband of Mary, he was not the father of Jesus. And that's clearly illustrated in the Gospel of Luke. And as we go through the Gospel of Matthew, from time to time, we'll pull in one of the other Gospels to give us the backstory, to give us some, some, some of the things that Matthew is, is missing in his Gospel. So in, in, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, we read this in uh, chapter 2, verse t- 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of david the virgin's name was mary and having come in the angel said to her rejoice highly favored one the lord is with you blessed are you among women but when she saw him she was troubled at the saying and considered what manner of greeting this was then the angel said to her do not be afraid mary for you have found favor with god and behold you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name jesus he will be great Now indeed Elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said behold the maidservant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed from her. You know this passage from, from Luke along with these simple words of Jesus Joseph the husband of Mary provides the story the fulfillment of a prophecy that was given by the uh, by Isaiah over 750 years prior to that the scriptures today will, will il- these illustrate exactly how God's plan is unveiled and how it's fulfilled and how prophecy is fulfilled in these generations leading up to Jesus Christ you know it's very important for Matthew to identify Jesus as a son of David of, of, the, of this royal line because if the Jews, the opponents of Jesus, could prove that Jesus wasn't born of the line of David, it would disqualify Jesus as the Messiah. But Jesus was the Messiah. He is fully God and fully man through this act uh, that the Lord did by making Joseph the husband of Mary, but the father of Jesus is actually the Holy Spirit. Now, let's let's finish up with these these four teens that's, that's given in the very last verse. Well, where, where it says there's four, 14 generations before the Babylonian captivity, before David, uh, 14 generations from David to the Babylonian captivity, and then 14 generations after the, after the captivity. And, and what does that refer to? well in most study Bibles it's it's understood that, that in numerology now this is a subject that I don't spend a lot of time at but in, in the Hebrew language and many other languages every single word every single letter has a has a numerical value and it comes from the word itself so in, in Hebrew uh, the word David, David is three letters. Remember in the Hebrew, they don't use vowels. They only use consonants. So it's DVd or deled vod de. okay. Deled is the fourth letter of the Hebrew um, uh, alphabet. Uh, vav is the, uh, is the sixth letter and then deled again is the sixth letter, so uh, the fourth letter. So four plus six plus four is 14. So David, the number of David, the numerical value of the name David, as in King David, is 14. And Matthew is, is using this to illustrate that this is all part of, of God's plan. It, it's 14, 14, and 14. So it's, 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 it's used three times. So we have these numbers, and the question is what, is, what does this number 14 mean? Well, this is the only place in the Bible that, that it's referenced, 14, uh, the only place that it's referenced. So scholars are kind of scratching their head, trying to understand exactly what this, this 14 means. We know that it's associated with David, and the number David is, is, is the, the, the numerical value of the word David is seven. So scholars say, well, it's, it's, it's seven twice. It's seven twice. Well, again, in Prophecy Fulfilled, if the, if, the, if the son of David, the Messiah, is David twice, it may indicate that Jesus Christ is actually coming twice. You see, this was a, this was a, a mystery to the people of Israel. They knew that the Messiah was coming and that he would be the king, that he would, they, would, they would assume the throne of David forever. But we know now through history, 2,000 years later, that Jesus first came as a suffering servant to die on a cross for our sins. But after that, he would rise again, and we would be grafted in as Gentiles, and we would be able to have all of the rights and the privileges, all of the blessings um, through Jesus that was promised to uh, the the children of of Abraham. But Jesus Christ is coming back again. The Bible makes that, that very, very clear that Jesus is coming back again. He's coming back for his church. He's coming back to put an end to sin and to be able to rule them on the throne of, of David in Israel. So 14 is seven twice, and this is where it all fits in as prophecy unveiled. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So Father God, we want You've been to- listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Bear, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of faith dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.